This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Hello, I'm Charlotte Smith. Thanks for downloading this episode of Radio 4's Open Country podcast, a series which takes you out into every corner of the UK countryside. For me, this one is a bit of a trip down memory lane. Hope you enjoy it. Oh, now, if, you, if we just drive around here, and there it is. <laughs> well, I recognise that view. Wow. For this week's Open Country, I've come to Pembrokeshire. Well, in fact, I've come back to Pembrokeshire. I'm just outside the city of St David's here on the coast and this is the Carvai Caravan Park. Now this is where I used to come with my parents and my little brother every single year, probably from when I was about five until I was what, 13, 14, something like that. And this is the first time I've been back since then. Now as I walk in through the gate, Well, some of it's familiar. There's this big field, and this is where we used to park our touring caravan. Just, in fact, as lots of families have done today. But really, the reason we were all here is this amazing view. Now, we came from the Midlands, so to see this, well, it was honestly something else. The caravan site slopes down to a fence, and then there's the cliff... And then there's just this amazing view of blue, blue sea stretching out. It's just magical. Now, there used to be just up on the right here, the shower block and office. And I'm going to go and have a look for Dorothy, who runs the site now, and can tell me what's changed. Oh my goodness. Well, this is familiar and yet not familiar. Wow. Dorothy. Hello. So I'm in a slightly weird situation in that I recognise the view better than I recognise anything else because in my head when I used to come here with my mum and dad it was just touring caravans in a field and I remember a small basic shower block and a shop. Um, that went quite a number of years ago. <laughs> so when I would have been here, which would have been late 60s, early 70s, mm-hmm. who was running it? Would that be your mum and dad? My mum and dad, yeah. They were farming, though, mainly? Yes, yeah. Because I remember the farm. Yeah. We would be living at the farmhouse over there. You can see the chimney. That was the old farmhouse. And we used to walk across to the shop to bring the milk, the milk from the dairy and... Uh, anything else that we might have had for sale in the shop. To me, this place looks bigger. You've also got quite a few static caravans here now. as There well would as the have tours. been a couple of little blue static caravans that really? we rented out even then. Gosh, I don't remember those. But we had to take them off every winter. Because this is the big tension, isn't it? And I think even back then in the 60s and 70s, we were aware of it. It is amazing to come here and park your caravan and look at this fantastic view. But you are also kind of ruining the view because instead of being a green field, it's now a green field with some big caravans, lots of cars, people, infrastructure. Yeah, if you see where the static caravans are and they're all environmentally green, green, 
as in painted yeah. green, yeah, to disappear a bit. The reason why the statics are all green is that my mum and dad had a boat trip and my mum saw the caravans from the sea and she thought, got to do something about that. So now you've got showers and there's a laundry room as well, I noticed. Yes, I'll have to show you around. Yeah? We're going to have a nose? Yes, do. <laughs> Hello. 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 Welcome to Charlotte Smith. Thank, Thank you very much. Oh, yes. I love this child. He's giving me okay. swimming. Yeah. Charlotte was, was uh, in the caravan here in, in the late 60s, 70s. That's, wow, changed a bit. Before yeah. your time, wasn't it? Uh, yes, my come? time. Kim was here, though. Were yeah. you? This is my 48th year. No! <laughs> oh, my goodness. So how old were you when you started coming here? Then? 11. Really? Yeah. And it was my 60th birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you. So I'm 53. I'm just trying to work out. We would have been here at the same time, then, Definitely. We? So where did you used to stay, then? Well, we used to stay, I think, sort of just further along here in, in a, a touring, touring caravan. Oh, yeah. right, OK. Yeah. I bet you were one of the cool teenagers, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Did you used to go down to the beach, you know, at the bottom? Yes, barbecues and on barbecues the beach. And barbecues on the beach. Well, we used to... There always used to be so somebody cool. with a guitar. Yeah. Always somebody with a guitar. And then we used to have... Mind you, I don't know whether you were allowed to do it then. We used to have midnight swims. No, I wasn't allowed. I no, heard about no. them. But we did have a laugh. We had a great time. So it was real Enid Blyton holiday. Wow. Kim, it's been lovely to see you again. I know. <laughs> I just wish I could remember you the first time around. It's alone now. I was a little annoying child. Oh, really? One yeah. of those ways? Yeah. Okay. Trying to be cool. Feeling. <laughs> Can I go and nose around that caravan? Absolutely. <laughs> Bring back some memories. Yeah, I'll say. So this is very similar to the caravan we would have been in. It's slightly smaller because there were four of us. But if I just come in... Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. It does bring it back. So you've got the bit that turns into a bed. And then we'd have had an extra bit down here where there were two bunk beds. Now, one year, running down this slope, I dislocated my knee. We went to the local hospital and I came back on crutches with my leg, thigh to ankle plaster, in this caravan. It was a long summer, I'll tell you, in this small space, with me getting in the way with my leg. I did love it here, actually. I really did. <laughs> Do you know, that could be me and my brother, just screaming around the place, laughing, pursued by a father. <laughs> Some things don't change, eh? So, Dorothy, when we came here, I remember the farm as well being part of this whole yes. caravan site. Is that still the case? Yes and no. The farm is my brother's farm. Thank you very much for letting yeah. me nose around. Oh, that's fine. Well, I'm going to wander up to the farm and see if I can find your brother. Good. Mr Evans, yes. is that you? It's very nice to meet you, but I suspect I'm meeting you again. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't, honestly, can't remember. Would you have been here? Yes, I was born here. <laughs> I'm in my 70s. I'm third generation. Jane is, is fourth. Fourth, that's your daughter. Yes. So how many dairy farms would there have been way back when here? Oh, I'm, I'm trying to think when I started farming... Uh, and I did a rough count and got to about 38, I think, in, in the parish of St David's. And now there are two. But, 
two dairy farms. Two dairy farms. This is the most westerly dairy farm in Wales. So I think that this farm is probably the first farm I ever visited. Which, given that I then grew up to present programmes like Farming Today and Country Files, yes. you kick-started me in some way, I guess. I don't think you'd be the only one. No, I'm sure not. No. Now, I have a memory, Mr Evans, of helping to milk a cow. Well, attempting to help to milk a cow. And then being given a glass of milk from just directly warm milk it was from the cow. Could that have been here? It could have been here, yeah. I guess those days are gone, are they? You can't now just come and get a glass of milk. Of course you can. Can you? Yes, yes. Do you sell raw milk here? We sell raw milk. Before it's been pasteurised? Yes. Now that's one thing I was sure would have changed. And it hasn't. No. My sister and I, as as little ones, we used to go round the caravan site with my old pram and with about two or three crates and people would leave the empty milk bottles outside the tents in the caravans and we'd bring them back then to the farm to be washed by my father. So there were people camping here when you were a child? People started camping here apparently before the war. Really? Yeah, before the Second World War. Do you enjoy it, having all these people around? Uh, Well, I sometimes think it would be nice if they didn't come. But that would be really selfish, wouldn't it? To have this patch of Pembrokeshire just to yourself. You know, you've got to share it. I've come just a little way up the coast. There's still warmth in the sun, but it's a lot more blowy here. And actually, as I look across, we've got fields of cows and then fields of tents. You can really tell what uh, makes the money around here. Um, I'm walking along the coastal path. Now, this was part of my youthful holidays, um, part of many people's youthful holidays now. And uh, I think the man shattering the peace and quiet here is the man I've come to see. This is Philip Lees from the Pembrokeshire Coast National Park. Happy with a strimmer. Morning. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you getting on? Oh, it's hard work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How much do you have to do of the strimming? Well, the teams do about 120 miles per cut. So we do two cuts here. So 240 miles, which is a bit like walking from St David's to London. But every year you do Every it year, yes. What would happen if you didn't? It'd just overgrow. So you can see here, without cutting or grazing, it turns into scrub and then... Bracken, bracken yeah, and more bracken. Absolutely bracken, <laughs> bramble, hawthorn, blackthorn, yeah. Which you just don't think of. When I'm walking through this landscape, I don't think about any of that. Yes. But actually, we're moulding this like we're moulding everything else. Yes, it, you know, it is a managed landscape. It looks wild. How busy is this path then? It's very busy. We reckon there's about one million people a year will stand on it. Partly. Now, that's a great distinction, isn't I know, it, it so is. So some yeah. people come and stand and look at the fantastic view uh, yeah. and other people actually toddle we'll along. Walk the whole 180 miles. I've it brings about between 8 and £20 million pounds into the Pembrokeshire economy. The Pembrokeshire coast really wouldn't function without the trail. Well, let's walk along it a bit. Yeah. So how was it 
created then? Who came up with the idea for this? Ronald Lockley, who was a famous naturalist in the 40s and 50s, he explored a lot of the Pembrokeshire coast on his work surveying seabirds and seals, and uh, he thought a, you know, a path along the whole coast would be a fantastic uh, resource for Pembrokeshire. And uh, It sounds easy when you say it like that, I know. It? Let's have a path along the whole coast. I'm imagining that actually that takes a lot of negotiation and then some pretty hard work. It does, yeah. Most of it was cut out by a small tractor known as a Bristol tractor with a five-foot blade, a little bulldozer. <laughs> and then men followed behind, putting in stiles, gates, bridges. So about 500 stiles went in, 150 bridges, 700 way marker posts. A lot of furniture went in. And eventually, in May 1970, it was opened by Winford Vaughan Thomas. So, yeah, so when I was here in the, in the 70s, early 70s, it would have been a new yeah, thing. Brand new then, I must yes. have been dragged along it myself. Yes, it must have been. been. <laughs> Another gate. This is absolutely stunning just here. We're right on the coast. If I took two paces to my left, I would actually fall down a very steep cliff and onto some rocks below, which is always the thing that slightly freaks me out about coast paths, if I'm honest, <laughs> Phil. <laughs> yes, but you've got this nice barrier of blackthorn here, so hopefully people do feel safe. <laughs> it's a spectacular day. It's beautifully sunny. In fact, as I look down at the cliffs, I can see the shadows of the gulls flying over our heads. The sea is turquoise at the moment, and it's coming into this small craggy inlet and crashing against the rocks. I mean, it's just the most amazing place. Well, I'm going to break off the coastal path here. Thanks, Phil. Nice to see you. And you. Cheers. Right, clamber over here. I have found a really lovely place to sit. There is a bench overlooking the coastal path. It's absolutely lovely, although I can see the threatening clouds coming towards us across the sea. Now, if I got back on the coastal path and followed it around for about 15, maybe a bit more miles, I would get to our next destination, the Blue Lagoon. I'm actually just going to jump in the car. Most of the landscapes we've been looking at in the programme today have been here for millions and millions of years and really are a product of the sea eroding the land and maybe a little bit of human farming. But where I am now, well, this is different. This is the Blue Lagoon, a former slate mine. And back in 1910, they blasted out one of the walls to open it to the sea. And what they have created is exactly what it says on the tin. It's blue and it's a lagoon. And it's mainly used by people, well, doing things that weren't invented when I used to come on holiday here to Wales. <laughs> Alongside me is Cleopatra Brown from Celtic Quest Co-Steering. And there is a case in point. Co-steering, we didn't do that in 1970-something. <laughs> How would you describe it? Wow. Um, I guess it's everything your parents tell you not to do at the beach. <laughs> it's, it's potentially the most fun you can have in a wetsuit. It's traversing, <laughs> traversing the coast at sea level, rock hopping, adventure swimming, cliff jumping. It's, yeah, just exploring and having fun out there. Licensed being ridiculous. Um, <laughs> how long have people been doing it then? Oh, many, many moons. Um, I think it was late 70s, possibly, it was commercialised. And I've been coastering for 20 years now. <laughs> What's the attraction? 
it's just outrageous fun um, and you can you can really get up close and, and personal with the coastline that you can't ordinarily get to you know so you can explore the bits that you haven't been to and it's that little adrenaline rush as well of doing the cliff jumps I guess maybe this is this is an example, isn't it, of how we have changed the landscape. So here, this was, uh, and we can see all the evidence all around us that this was a slate quarry. Um, you can see almost where people have been chipping away at it, can't you? Yeah, yeah. And that was for slate, for industry. Then we've changed it into something which we enjoy in a completely different way. It's, it's almost like a almost natural water park. So yes, it's man-made, but it's flooded by the sea and it is controlled by the sea and the elements. It is an incredible turquoisey blue colour. Why is that? It's beautiful, isn't it? Um, it's very, very deep. The water's between 20 and 25 metres deep. And because of the minerals in the rock, that all comes out into the water. There's a lot of copper, and that gives it this greeny, turquoisey colour. It's beautiful. I should say, this is not set, this landscape, because if we just turn behind us, we've had a rockfall here. When was that? Um, I think it was about three or four weeks ago, so it was only oh, recent. Uh, I was assuming that was the winter. No, no, no. It's, it's slate, this quarry, so it's, it's ever-changing because of the, the geology of the rock and, and the water that we get. It's very unstable. There was nobody hurt. There was nobody sat close to it, and it, it was quite dramatic. Yeah, There was a big dust cloud and a big roar when it all came down. and It sounded almost like, you know, when a truck goes over a pothole. Yeah. Wow. That's the thing, isn't it? We like adventure, but predictable <laughs> adventure, maybe. Because we're not aware most of the time that we're in a landscape which can change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to forward. Hello. Your program. Can we ask you some, some yes. questions? You can try. <laughs> Why have you come here? Well, we've come here mainly for the cliff jumping. Our kids love it. It's fun. It's free. Yeah. Watch your children do death-defying jumps. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. And you're not going to give it a whirl? No. Hello. Would you like a towel before I attempt to talk to you for the radio? Yeah. <laughs> Sophie, you've just come dripping towards us, having been throwing yourself in. Why have you uh, been doing that? It's fun. It's just exciting when you jump off and like off the top, and you haven't done it before. Are you, sure? are you going in, or are you far too sensible? I would try and go in, but usually I'm a wuss, so. No, it's not a wuss. You're sensible. Yeah. Yeah, we're rebranding wuss as sensible. I'm in my happy place, poddling along on a beach. Uh, when I was a kid, even on a half-decent day, this is where we'd be dragged. And actually, there's tons of things you can do on a beach to while the day away. Uh, to call this a beach is slightly to undersell it. This is Newgale Beach. It's about, I'd say, what, two miles long? Beautiful golden sand stretching into the distance. And today, it looks almost as if it's studded with diamonds, this sand. These are jellyfish which have been washed up and uh, they're just catching the sun and glinting. Quite a lot of people can be found here in the rock pools looking for stuff. And this is something that Craig Evans has turned into a business. Hi, Craig. Hello, Sarah. Craig, you're going to show us what we can actually eat from these rock pools, which, I mean, I've got to be honest, all I can see is seaweed. Uh, yes, but most things you can eat here will either be camouflage or hiding in the storms. There you are, you're what, ankle deep in a I, rock pool? I'm ankle deep in lovely warm water. We're having a bit of a rummage to see uh, what we can find. If you uh, look down below you, then you've got this seaweed, which is uh, lava. And when it comes to... Uh, oh, it's, it's really papery, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, like plastic film. Yeah. 
and it's been a very good year for seaweeds because of the sunshine we've had and uh, it's proliferated all over the area. Lava. So this is lava as in lava bread? Lava, lava bread, L-A-V-E-R. So what else can you find that you can actually eat right, in here? This, in this particular rock pool, there's another kind of seaweed called gutweed. <laughs> See, the name is not inspiring me to eat it no, there, no, gutweed. It, it, there's a reason, a reason because... So la- this looks la- Latin name is intestinalis, like... because it looks like uh, intestines. And if you look, look in the strips of it... You can see little bubbles. Yeah, so it looks a little bit like shredded green cabbage. Yes, yeah. This is what the Chinese eat when it's dried and deep fried. So so when you get deep fried crispy seaweed, that's what you should be getting. So can you eat it just raw like this? Yeah, of course you can, yeah. yeah. He's very confidently put it Mm. in his mouth. Mm. Not much to taste. No, just salt really, Mm. but yeah, not not unpleasant Mm. at all. Looking down at the gap in the rocks now, and you can see uh, a few interesting things. Edible, so we've got a type of snail called the edible periwinkle. Okay. Delicious, yeah. And then you can see uh, limpets. Yeah. So we're going to put these in the bag that you've got. Oh, yeah, the really put, rather lovely yeah, we, we put them in the wicker basket. Put them in the basket. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Just, just a few. Yep. Now in that six inch area there now we've had already had three types of uh, shellfish uh-huh. we're putting these things in the basket because the plan is to go back up the beach and cook all this up when we've got enough to cook so we need some more come on Craig I'm tempted to say that there are two children in this rock pool at the moment actually it's Craig and his grandson Josh <laughs> They're as happy as clowns. And Zoe has just found something. What have you got, Zoe? What have you got? You got Zoe? What have you got? Is it alive? Uh, yes. I'll tell you what. It's great. And what are we going to do, right? This surf clam now, we're going to cook it later on to eat it. Yeah? Yeah. And Zoe found it. Can I put him in the basket yeah. over there, Zoe? Okay. Well done. So how can you balance foraging enough to be useful and not taking too much well there's a number of ways you can do that the main one is don't take too much from one spot because if you're foraging for mussels or cockles or or, or fish always only take a few and leave a population to then regrow when i do a foraging course it's not about getting as much as you can and making a big meal for everybody it's educational whereby you know it's to explain where it is what it does how it breeds what the problems are what the issues are in the future i just love it i love it we've walked up the beach and come into the uh, entrance of a cave here to say that craig has come prepared is something of an understatement out of his backpack has come a piece of wood which he's turned into a stove by canny cutting and insertion of fire lighters. We've got a saucepan, some vinegar, and then even kitchen implements. We are going to make some lunch. Oh, that garlic smells good. Should you put everything in? Because it's bubbling like mad, this. Right there. Put in the cockles and the mussels. You're going to put Zoe's clams in. Yeah. 
That's fantastic, isn't it? At four. She's only four and she's <laughs> found some of our lunch. Mmm. <laughs> want to try some of the seaweed? Oh, thank you. That's really nice, actually. D different when it's cooked, isn't mm. it? Mm. Much nicer cooked. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got a bowl here of all the things we found. We've got some prawns, some mussels. What else in here? Some periwinkles, I think, at the bottom. Wow, it's fantastic. Mm. And all the more joyous for being free. Yeah, it's free and it's all done in the fresh air and the sunshine. Mm. Lovely. It's strange coming back to a place that you knew really well and realising that that was 40 years ago when I used to come here as a child. Amazingly, lots of things are still the same. So the caravan site's still a caravan site. The farm, incredibly, is still a farm. But a lot's changed. Slate Mine's a lagoon for a start. And here we are on the beach, which is the same but different all at the same time. Lots of people here doing exactly what I used to do as a child in the rock pools, in the sea, building sandcastles. And yet quite a few people now foraging, finding food, enjoying this place in a whole new way. It certainly won't be 40 years till I'm back again. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you'd like to hear more editions of Open Country, there are programmes going back to 2009 on the BBC Radio 4 Open Country website.